Hey friends, we are back with a juicy episode describing what exactly is emotional eating and how did it, how does it continue to bubble up in my life uh, from time to time. I'll be going through a technical definition, but I'm I'm no professional, just a girl uh, who has actually lived through the battle of emotional eating and continues to fight it. We'll be diving into how it resonated in my past and how I fight it today and how does the endless shame cycle keep you on this hamster wheel? And real quick, if you haven't left your review yet, here's your reminder to take that 30-second pause and go leave it on Apple Podcasts. At the time of this episode releasing, we are celebrating the show's launch. And if you want to be a part of the launch crew, it's really simple. Just head to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star review and your thoughts on the podcast so far. You can ask me questions there or topics that you want me to cover in future episodes. I believe it takes a couple of days for the reviews to show up, but I can't wait to start announcing winners. And uh, I just want to say I'm so appreciative for every single one of you who leave a review because it's the single best thing to get this podcast in front of other people who might need to hear this. And I'm so thankful for all of you. Hey friend, welcome to Pass the Plate Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah, and for so long, I relied on food to be my comfort. I'm also a wife to my high school sweetheart, Jake, a Christian, and the leader of my online wellness community. A few years ago, I was drowning in emotional binge eating and so desperate for a solution that actually worked. And if you're anything like me, you know this feeling all too well. If you're ready to let go of the heavy shame you've been carrying and uncover the life that's waiting on you, then refill that water bottle, sis, because it is time to jump on in. So we've landed ourselves into the nitty gritty of what is emotional eating and really what does it look like? What are the super ugly parts of this beast? And I feel like it's important for me to share personally how it shows its face in my life. So maybe you can be quick to identify those things in your life. The Mayo Clinic defines emotional eating, and I'm going to be reading just so I don't get this wrong, you guys, as eating as a way to suppress or soothe negative emotions such as stress, anger, fear, boredom, sadness, and loneliness. Major life events, or more commonly, the hassles of daily life can trigger negative emotions that lead to emotional eating and disrupt your weight loss efforts. This is so accurate, especially the second part as far as the daily hassles of life because that's where I saw it bubble up in my life. It wasn't really the dramatic moments uh, or the devastating moments of life if a family member's in the hospital or something like that. That's not really where my emotional eating took charge. It was really in the day-to-day stressors. So basically, do you find a release in food? For me, it was all of this. And specifically, binge eating big meals was where, and I still do struggle sometimes. I'm not really a person who snacks a lot, although I personally know people who do snack a lot. And that is kind of, if you will, their drug of choice as far as emotional eating goes. They're more snackers where, for me, I am more big meal Uh, binge eating rather than kind of like the grazing and snacking. Just remember guys, there is a spectrum of unhealthy food relationships, emotional eating, ranging from full binges to not eating at all, purely based off emotions and how you are feeling at the time. Again, I'm not a professional, but I'm just sharing my experiences and describing what some of my close friends have shared with me 
So don't get it twisted. I'm I'm just going off purely uh, personal experience and hopefully shortening the time in which you guys identify that you could be struggling with emotional eating, specifically binge eating, and the time in which you are healing from it. Because that for me was a longer process because I had to do all this digging and figuring out what it is that I was battling. How do you cope with it? How do you find better solutions for yourself? So let's jump into where my emotional eating has shown its face in the past and still tries to show its face today. Guys, at the time of this recording, like for lunch, I had a burger and fries. Okay, so let's not get it twisted. I I don't want anybody to think that I'm over here eating kale and fruit all day. Okay, so I love food just as much as anybody does. And I I treat myself. I do not deprive. I'm going to cover more in episode three about what does food freedom look like. Episode two is really defining emotional eating and how it kind of showed its face in my life. But episode three, I'm going to talk about how do you embrace that food freedom and how do you incorporate some of your favorite foods to where you're not binging, you're just enjoying food. Okay, I don't know if I can trademark this saying or what, but I landed on this statement a while back that we were meant to enjoy our food. We were not meant to find our joy in food. Let me say it again for the people in the back. Turn the volume up. We were meant to enjoy our food, right? So not depriving ourselves, because you're not going to get to food freedom by depriving yourself. But we were we were also not meant to find our joy in food. I don't want to go totally on my soapbox, <laughs> um, if you will, but I did want to share that that I'm not here to offer deprivation or restricting yourself. I'm here to help you encourage you and hopefully help you find that freedom. So when I'm lonely though, this is where my emotional eating tends to show its face. When I lived alone in Greensboro, I touched on that in episode one, I definitely closet ate. And if you don't know what closet eating is, it's basically just where you're hiding how much you're eating, right? Like you're going into secrecy A lot of that stems from shame, which I'm going to touch on a little bit later. But even to this day, loneliness is something that I battle. I'm an Enneagram 7. I love being around people. Even when my husband goes somewhere, I can be tempted with, you know, sticking my head in the cabinet, finding a bowl of fruity pebbles, because who doesn't love those? (laughs) And, you know, wanting to comfort or uh, take care of my loneliness through food. Turn on the TV and just veg out, right? So I know that that's when... Uh, my kind of food demons, if you will. I know people call them all different types of things, but when those thoughts will enter your mind that you're wanting to snack or you're wanting to eat, when in reality, I could be doing a million other things besides feeling that loneliness and uh, wanting to eat, right? So that's just something personally for me. I know that I struggle with loneliness and that's when those kind of whispers start that you want to eat. Um, So when I'm stressed though, that's another time that uh, the, the day-to-day stress that it that it wants to come about. I know that when I was in Greensboro, again, uh, th- that's when I really battled with day-to-day stressors, right? I was in a job where I love the people that I work with. Like, let's not get that wrong. I love the people that I work with. But the work itself, I didn't enjoy. And I was not passionate about it. And it really did drain me. And so my lunch times became the time where I would veg out. And I would go out to eat and I would I would eat way too much food 
I would come back and I would be miserable the rest of the afternoon. Right? When you eat that much to the point of being stuffed, you are miserable. And if you're anything like me, you go into carb coma and just want to check out for the rest of the afternoon. Right? That's what my husband calls it. He's like, you can't be going into carb coma on me because he knows I fall asleep on the couch all the time. Um, if I if I eat too many, um, you know, like too much bread or things like that that are really in, um, have high processed sugars and they just basically spike my blood sugar and then drop and then I'm basically asleep. But if you know me at all, you know that I can nap. That's something about me. <laughs> I love to take a nap. Um, I have to be careful not to use that as kind of like an escape too, as a coping mechanism, because if I'm struggling with a lot of napping, typically I'm struggling with my emotional eating. I'll touch on that later. That's just something that's kind of like a nuance of my emotional eating that I found is that I, those two can kind of play hand in hand uh, because I really am trying to find that escape, right? Like that that's what I'm talking about here is that emotional eating is that very, very temporary escape that allows for a distraction from whatever you're facing at the time, right? So when I was tired and I didn't want to cook in the evenings when I was being lazy, it was the easy choice, especially in Greensboro when I'd get home from work after a long commute I would just be ready to chillax, drown my sorrows or stress or excitement even, I'll touch on that, in food, mainly in tacos, because that's something that I struggle with is that that's like one of my one of my food triggers. And I'll talk more about that in a later episode. Let's go into that celebration time as well, right? Like it's not just in loneliness, it's not just during stress time. But we can overeat or embrace emotional eating in happy emotions too. How many times have you been to a birthday party, a cookout, a graduation, a celebration, whatever it might be, where it's a joyous occasion, but you still find yourself overeating, right? Out of emotion because you're happy. I'm, I'm, emotional eating does not discriminate on which emotion that it would like to show up in, right? We just know that that's what we do, right? It's easily accepted in society that... You go and you go get your plate and people encourage you to have more, right? That's, it's commonly accepted. So I just want to maybe show y'all that just because emotional eating shows up a lot in negative emotions, it doesn't always have to be that way, right? How many times have you left a celebratory time and been like, my goodness, I'm so stuffed. I ate way too much. Christmas, Thanksgiving, those are all happy celebration type events where food is abundant and it's really tasty and it's so easy to overeat in those scenarios and eat based off of a happy emotion because you're celebrating and everybody else is eating, right? You're just all enjoying the food. And if you're anything like me, you're seeking some joy in the food and that can really get you into a troubling spot. But never fear, I do have tactical solutions to help you in a later episode with How do you handle barbecues? How do you handle Christmas, Thanksgiving, all those type of things. So don't fear about that. I'll obviously be sharing that. But I also think it's important to notate here, addictive behaviors can run inside families. And in my opinion, I think addiction can surface up or or bubble up in anybody. I don't think you are necessarily an addictive person because if we start looking Addiction is almost, and I'm not a professional, this is my personal opinion, my personal experience, how I've felt, but I really think that addiction can almost be where you find a comfort zone, right? 
So my emotional eating, I found comfort in it as a young kid, right? Because when my life felt kind of out of control, food was always there and it was encouraged and it was fun. And if we want to get into the science of why does our, why do we crave food again, later episode, but there's chemicals in there that we can crave, right? I don't crave broccoli. There's a reason I crave chips, okay? It's because it's, it's made to be crave-worthy, right? But I do think that addictions can bubble up into anybody. I know personal family members that have struggled with alcohol. I know people who struggle with shopping. I know people who struggle with too much exercising and body image and anything that we want to obsess over can become an addiction. I'm not saying all addictions are bad. I'm saying they're in a good balance. They would be okay, right? But I just think it's important to notate that addictive behaviors can show up in tons of people, in tons of different outlets. And when I learned that, you know what it did for me? It actually humbled me. Humbled? Humbled? I don't know. Whatever. You, it starts with an H, right? But some people say humbled. Some people say humbled. But it humbled me because I then realized I'm no better than anybody else. I This is just like, let's put a star beside this little asterisk. I despise arrogancy. Like, it really drives me nuts. I, I want people to be confident, but I despise arrogancy. I just think that everybody, I don't know. Maybe that's a tangent we don't need to get off on. But I just despise arrogancy. But what I didn't realize was while it's so easy to judge someone for their addictive behavior, the whole time I had addiction. I was addicted to food and I didn't even know it. And so if I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. If you are that type of person that I was, you guys, it's okay to once you realize that you are judging others for their addictions, but maybe you had one of your own. When you realize that, it really does humble you. So take that in. Realize that we all are human. We're all going to struggle with things in life. This may be yours like it is mine, or it may be something totally different, or you might have several addictions. But when you start to realize where you're off balance in life and where you may be using things of this world, Netflix, TV, food, to comfort or to cope, then that's where you kind of have to check yourself, right? So just wanted to put that out there because that's something I struggled with is that I was like, oh, look at that person. They struggle with that. But in the meantime, I'm over here down in my third bag of chips, right? So just don't get it twisted. You might have something that you're struggling with that nobody sees and it may be easily concealable, right? But we all struggle with something, so with that being said, I wanted to kind of transition into looking at the shame cycle. Okay, so if you don't know what the shame cycle is, it's just something that I kind of call this hamster wheel of how you go emotionally through the stress, the impulsivity, then the obsession of wanting to binge or overeat. And then I'm, I'm just going to walk you through this cycle and how it's so easy that we can get trapped into this and then it's really hard to get off the shame cycle, hamster wheel, whatever you want to call it. It's a circle with arrows. I'm taking you through the cycle, okay? So let's picture this. Let's picture Hannah in Greensboro and she's had like a really stressful day at work. She's driving home in her little Honda, headed home, 
And then she is thinking about all the stress that she's had and she's ready to just like put on her sweats and veg out, chill out, okay? So first of all, Hannah did not meal prep, okay? So the impulsivity is already kicking in of like, oh gosh, I don't have anything at home that I really wanna eat or nothing sounds great. And I don't know about you if you've ever experienced this, but I definitely felt like where I don't want to, maybe anxiousness is not the word, but just fidgetiness inside of me starts bubbling up, right? So the urge to go by and get tacos on my way home is it starts kind of just bubbling up inside of you and you start having consuming thoughts. Like, how are those tacos going to taste? I bet they're going to taste bomb because they were bomb last time. They were so good with the rice. Like, you almost start flirting with the idea of getting those tacos. It's almost like romancing those thoughts. And if you've ever struggled with any other kind of addiction, there is this romancing type process where the the uh, the, dang, the dingle dangle, as I call it, like it's, you know, how you dangle a carrot the dangling of the carrot starts, right? And you start like really wanting that carrot, but in my case, you know, taco. So somebody's dangling a taco in front of my face, okay? So that obsession starts. And then after I go in and make that decision to walk into the restaurant, get those tacos, go home, I overeat, right? Because the portion sizes, if you're not regulating that, are massive at restaurants, okay? So I overeat. And at some point in the meal, um, there's like a little mental tap that says, hey, you're probably done, right? Like that's your body's natural, like, hey, girlfriend, you're full, stop now. But, you know, typically with binge eating, we ignore that. We just take a detour and keep on heading to finish out the rest of that meal, right? It's not just tacos. There's probably some chips and queso in there, if we're being honest. Maybe a Coke on the side. I'm just speaking from experience. Yours may be pasta, but I'm just saying tacos are my thing. So then that same voice that just tempted you to eat the entire meal and then some is the same voice that starts the shame. It says, huh, wow, that's a lot of food there, girlfriend. I bet you're going to feel like junk later. Yeah, your pants already feel tight and you're already in your sweatpants. Can you believe it? You're in your sweatpants and your sweatpants feel tight. Okay, it's like that annoying voice right, that's already starting to shame you and already starting to tell you what a piece of crap you are and you barely just threw away the bag, okay? So the same voice that tempts you is the same one that shames you, okay? So let's say you go to bed because you just feel like total doo-doo and you're just like, all right, I'm, I'm shutting my brain off. At least this is what I do. Here's my, my napping and wanting to sleep comes into play because I don't want to feel the shame, right? So I just go go to bed, okay? Then you're dealing with the morning after, right? That walk of shame, if you will, into the bathroom to get ready for the day. You feel like junk. Your body's inflamed because you had too much salt, right? Like just you, you're already starting your morning off feeling so defeated. And this is just one example of what I went through many, many, many nights, okay? And this compounded over weeks at a time, months at a time. You are literally driving the car into a very dark place, the car being your mind, right? You are literally taking yourself into a very dark spot. And this is just one example of how I used to live my life and how I personally know what it's like to struggle with this. You're not alone. That 
I, I promise in episode three, there's going to be hope and joy and a way to start stepping into that food freedom. But I want to take you guys through how dark this can be and expose what is going on in your mind, right? So emotional eating is typically very impulse-based versus planned. Remember how I said I had the burgers and fries today? That was planned. I thought about the burgers and fries, and I said, that sounds good today. I, I want a burger and fry. I'm not into the deprivation uh, culture and thinking that we have to deprive ourselves. I think there's a balance. What would have been worse is if I had a stressful time and I started romancing the burger and fries, but I took time to think about my decision, right? I knew that I was like, yeah, this is going to be a decision that I make. It's probably not going to aid in my goals or, or my weight loss or getting me towards a, a more healthier weight, right? Or keeping me in that area. But I want the burger and fry. I've thought about it. I've thought through. There's no shame. I feel no shame over my burger and fry. It was delicious. It was curly fries, by the way, just in case you were wondering. But typically emotional eating is impulse and it's consuming and it's very loud. And I, I describe it as the thoughts are yelling at you, right? It's very very uh, chaotic in your mind instead of calm. So hopefully you can kind of identify the shame cycle and see it coming earlier instead of being at the end of the shame cycle and realizing like, oh, I just walked through the shame cycle because the shame cycle is that morning after where you're starting to feel the shame, right? So next I want to go into emotional hunger, physical hunger, and then spiritual hunger. Emotional eating, we just described it. Emotional hunger is that stress, that loneliness, that rough day, the the boredom, right? All those things are emotional hunger. And that's what we just got done talking about. Physical hunger, we all know what that is, right? We know when we're hungry. We know when our belly's growling. We know what hunger, like physical hunger feels like in our body because it's literally our body saying, hey, sis, we got to have some food soon. Like we're getting hangry. Like your blood sugar's dropping. Hello? You know, it sends all the the flashy warnings and you're like, yeah, hand me a banana. I'm starving, right? Typically, emotional eating or emotional hunger is going to be very tempting for the fast food and like your, your foods that you love, right? My tacos and queso, not all bad, but I'm just saying that's typically where your emotional hunger is going to head. It's not typically going to head towards broccoli or a banana. The third one I wanted to talk about is spiritual hunger. So in episode one, I've talked about how my emotional eating, for me, has been helped by my faith. So I'm just going to go ahead and put my little disclaimer here. If you're not a faith-based person, just hang on here. You can use different words if these words don't resonate with you. Um, but for me and for the sake of other people who are like me, I want to share kind of the spiritual hunger too. So for me as a Christian... I, I know that when I'm not diving into my faith and I'm not um, placing my thoughts where they need to be, that kind of really creates a, a divide in my relationship with God, right? And so that there can be a spiritual hunger that I'm looking for when I'm trying to fill it with food. So for instance, you have a stressful day, somebody hurt your feelings, you're battling with like the mundaneness of life you're stressed with your kids, whatever it might be. As Christians, we can take those issues to God, right? He knows our hearts. We know that we can take those problems, 
pray about them instead of worrying about them and praying about them instead of obsessing over them, praying about them instead of being overwhelmed by them, that's quite literally what God wants us to do. He wants us to take our problems to him. And of course, I'm going to share more in episode three about food freedom and especially how your faith works into that. But remember, if you're looking for that void and you're filling it with food, it could be that you are disconnected from your faith. So just put a little asterisk by that for future reference. And maybe that's something that you can explore the next time that you're praying or the next time that you feel like that little tap by God. Maybe that's something that you can explore with him because after all, it is a personal relationship with him and that's in between you and him. So how do those three things bubble up in my life? Okay, so the mental and emotional hunger... When I'm using food to fill that mental and emotional hunger, shame sets in. I feel disgraced. I feel consumed. I have low confidence. I'm distracted. I'm distant from friends. I'm distant from my husband. I mean, it's all consuming. Physically, I feel sluggish. I have brain fog, weight gain, and unhealthy practices for my body. My blood sugar spikes. I take a nap, right? It's just this up and down and not this steady, calm balance for my physical body. And then, like I said, for spiritual, it allows the enemy to start gaining that ground in my mind. And it's easy to fall back into those old traps where he tells me I am a failure, right? The When I am stuffing food where I should be stuffing God <laughs> in, into my Uh, emptiness, that's going to create that distance in between me and my faith. It's so evident when I'm consumed by emotional eating because even my voice changes. I've had people in my close circle, they say, you know how I know you're dealing with or you're struggling with emotional eating is that your voice uh, changes. You you lose that joy, you lose the confidence and they can literally hear it come out of me. So how do we take all this information and start learning and applying Well, that's to come in the next episode describing what is food freedom and what does that look like in my life and maybe in yours and how to claim that victory, friend, because it is yours there for the waiting. I have tools that I get to share with you and I will see you in the next episode. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode as much as I have sharing. I know it's a lot to take on, but I encourage you to just think about your own life and maybe how you can identify an area that emotional eating is gaining ground and you can be there to stop it. My best encouragement is for you to find a battle buddy. So if you are needing help with a tangible and physical solution to your emotional eating, I've got you. I run an online wellness community where we can work a one-on-one together, and I connect you to the system that I've personally used for the last several years. So if that's something that you're needing, send me an email to podcast at gmail.com and put battle buddy in the subject line and I will send you information over. I hope you have a great week and I'll see you next time. What up, girlfriend? Did you enjoy this episode? If so, I'd love for you to head to Apple Podcasts and write a review to tell me what spoke to you or blessed you in some way. I always want this to be a two-way conversation and this is the best way I can gain clarity on what you're loving. Speaking of conversations though, are you on social media? If so, connect with me at Hannah Dickey Bryson, send me a message, or share this episode to your stories. Please tag me though so I can keep this hangout session going all week long. 
And as always, if you need support on your emotional eating journey, I've got you. Hop on over to my free Facebook group and I will see you in there, sis. Have a good week.